0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Welcome in to Cats Talk Wednesday, Vinny Hardy, Terry Brown, after a week off, I'm a little sniffly, let me know if you can hear me all right, TV, how is everything going on with you, sir?
2: It is going fantastic, we're getting the the kids, I know your kids just started back to school uh, down there, my girls are getting ready to go back uh, to school, so it's uh, for parents, it's the most wonderful time of the year, time to get them, get them back to Get them back to school, and, and what that means for us is sports seasons are upon us. Uh, for the UK fans listening, finishing 14th in the Directors Cup last year, a lot of teams, especially in the fall, are looking to build uh, on that for a, possibly a top 10 finish for the 2019-2020 year. So there's the the new. There's a lot of newness in the air, I should say.
1: That's for sure, and. <laughs> He referenced those uh, Athletic Director Cup standings. We'll, we'll definitely have to backtrack on that. So Some so stuff happened regarding the AD while we were away. We were off last week. Uh, so We'll have to hit some of those topics. My grandma passed away, uh, so we'll be going to her memorial service this coming weekend. I always love going back home, but not under these type of circumstances. Uh, this would be my dad's mom. A lot of you guys have heard my dad call into the show, and he talks Lakers with Terry, and talks cats with us, and you know, interacts with different guests and things. So this is my dad's mom, uh, Ernestine Hardy, who passed away, uh, 99 years old. And like Dad said, most of those 99 years were extremely healthy, except for the last couple of years where a knee and some eyesight and, and some other health uh, ailments kind of uh, made themselves. Uh, more of a problem than you want to see, but uh definitely appreciate all the thoughts and concerns and everything. And that's why we were off last week, and we take, well, you know, a week off here and there anyway, because we grind a lot and do a lot of Wednesdays in a row. And time to time, we will just take us a little periodic Wednesday off and play us a show from one of the archives. So that's what we did last week. And, uh, if you listen to that, hope you enjoyed it and we're glad to be back this Wednesday. Excuse my voice. i have got some allergy stuff going on, snotty, coughing and all that. <laughs> if I do cough, I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to mute it if I I've cough TV. I will to be coughing and blasting everybody, but uh, uh I apologize if they don't all <laughs> get muted out.
2: <laughs> it's all good, you know, we gotta keep uh <laughs> rain no uh, sleet snow we got to be like the mailman and and deliver so we we got a lot of ground to cover and you know i don't mind uh talking for extended periods on my own so we're good to go
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's it (laughs) michelle morton always tweets in about you ranting or something when you get on that soapbox that's always always funny but we always enjoy it (laughs) and uh i I'm going to open that up here in a little bit, because you wrote a ton of articles while we were off on Cameron Mills Radio. You were popping on different topics. we definitely got to hit all of that. Uh, our show is brought to you by Smokey Mountain Trader, if you want to bring that in. 5063, uh, West Andrew Highway, Suite 1, Moorstown, Tennessee, 423-587-1700. <clears throat> Lynn Earls is the publisher. That's the number one red reader in the tri-state area. That's here in Tennessee where I'm at. 12 counties, and then you got Bell County, right close to where I grew up, uh, southeastern Kentucky, and then southwest Virginia. They cover all those areas so people can list items, look and see what's been listed if they want to buy, they want to trade, they want to sell. Uh, big or small, they list it all, and you can uh, check it up uh, in the Smoky Mountain Trader. Our slot is in there each and every week. People see that and say, I saw your show. Were y'all listed in there? So uh, we appreciate Spoken Mountain Trader always helping us bring the show to you. Uh, TheSMTrader.com and at Trader on Facebook and Twitter. So give them a follow, give them a like, and give them a shout. Uh, and always appreciate them. Give us a follow too at Cats Talk Wednesday on Facebook and Twitter. Got over a thousand people liking the Facebook page, up to a thousand and four now. So appreciate that. Everybody that likes it, likes everything that's posted, uh, checks out the show from there, when we're live or on the podcast. TB, you just had a ton of pictures that you put up from the fan day, which was always cool to see. Definitely got to get your thoughts on that as well. But you've been doing it all already. Uh, and we ain't even got to the season yet. So, uh, all kind of fun stuff.
2: Yeah, uh, I guess we can start there and kind of work back. We got a couple of weeks worth of stuff, but uh, it was fan day this past Saturday uh, for the football team. Football team signing lots of autographs, taking lots of pictures. The numbers were incredible. Uh, I was able to go last year uh, and this year, and the numbers, as you expect, the Big Blue Nation showed out to kind of thank uh, coaches, staff for last year's season and, and really for this year's uh, season to show a lot of promise. You know, you and I have been beating that drum about whether or not the program was going to have a, a, a backsliding moment, but you don't feel that. You know, when you're, when you're, uh, when you're there, uh, I, I've said this before, is this looks like a football team. Like if you could go to Central Casting, and say, hey, I need to you know, I need a SEC football team. The team looks the part. And that hasn't always been the case in Lexington. But but this year's team definitely looks like, hey, again, everybody understands you lose a Benny Smell, you lose Josh Allen, two you know, your 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 you know, you can argue number one running back of all time, top two or three defender of all time. I mean, that's a, those are going to be some huge gaps, but we do have capable guys to slide into those uh, positions. So, uh, a lot of uh, overjoyed Kentucky fans getting things signed. Mark Stoops signed a baby straight out of Paladin. <laughs> Good night. Uh, gentleman asked, Mark Stoops, can you sign my baby? And he said, yes, absolutely. I wouldn't mind... <laughs> I wouldn't mind signing a baby. Now, to be clear, it was the baby's onesie. It wasn't the actual baby.
1: Oh. But so to be clear <laughs> about
2: that. But when word spread, hey, Mark Stoops just signed a baby, that's when you know, that's when, you know, you got a 10-win season in your back pocket, and, and you can, and, and, you know, you're signing a baby. But it was fun. It was jam-packed. Uh, the line for Mark Stoops was ridiculous. The line for Cash Daniels. And that's the thing as well. This team has personalities. You know, Cavassier Smoke, uh, 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 A.J. Rose, you know, people want to see these guys, uh, Eddie Grand. I mean, there's, so there's, we're starting to have a little bit of uh, that big-time feel. Uh, to me, one of the best signs, Josh Pascal, was out there and and, and was meeting and greeting and everything like that. So it's always good to see him out. Uh, so after about an hour and a half or so, signed an autograph, moved on to the open practice, which it was hot. I'll tell you that much. I got in trouble for getting some Gatorade I wasn't supposed to get, but
1: what oh. what you do when it's 100 degrees out there on the turf.
2: Yeah, <laughs> uh, But yeah, to watch... Who, who it's, got you? I think it's,
1: it's one, who got you? The a coach? or a player?
2: No. No, there's all, there's all kinds of support staff out there, right? And if, if, if people have seen the, the practice field, there's zero shade out there, just zero out there. So it gets, it gets hot. And so I said, I said to somebody, and I can't remember who I was speaking to, another media person, like, man, because they did have water, but it was on the far side of the field. And I got a touch of lazy. And one of the staff said, hey, just go over <laughs> there and get you some out of the Gatorade thing. I said, all right, cool. I walked over got about three-quarters of the way uh, my cup full, and this woman says, what are you doing? What are you doing? I said, hey, you know, this guy said I could just get said, Well, you're not supposed to have this. This is just for the players. I said, well, okay, but I'm I'm not going to put it back. You know, I'm a, I've am already <laughs> got this much. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if I, I – I, I think I posted it on Instagram or something, but I did get the UK Blue uh, Gatorade uh, even after I got yelled at. But uh, the team <laughs> just looks better, I, I, I think a lot of the drills, and this was only practice number two, I think. So uh, afterwards, Coach Stoops said, hey, we've got our work cut out for us. It's it's different because right now it's, it's a situation where to compare it to basketball, like when basketball starts back up, Cal knows, hey, I got Ashton Hagen. He's a sophomore. I don't have to worry about that guy. Uh, like sophomore Tyler Hewitt, uh bringing it back to football. It's like when Steven Johnson came back that next year, uh, you know, we don't have all the distraction of who the starter is going to be. It's, it's, it's Terry Wilson. He's QB1. And then everything else kind of falls in the line with that. Uh, but it was a great practice. I almost got run over by A.J. Rose uh, doing, <laughs> doing some of those drills. Uh, uh, when they were doing some of the uh, – offense, defense, uh, kind of play, I don't even know what you call it, I guess a light scrimmage, you know, those corner routes, you really got to pay attention, have your, head, have your head on the swivel. If you're going to be on the sidelines, you're going to get run over. But definitely it was great to see uh, a big crowd of Kentucky fans, uh, a great practice. Um, so, again, I, I, I guess maybe next week we'll kind of go through our wins and losses But I have to feel optimistic about where the program is and uh, judging by the crowd size. uh, There are a lot of people that uh, feel the same way.
1: Yeah, yeah, that is definitely always exciting. And the next thing, I guess, is you kind of want to see all of the guys get through camp. You don't want to see the injury bug be too harsh. Uh, Last week, we we already lost Devontae Robinson, who was the most experienced guy, you know, in the defensive backfield. Uh, so you hated to see that he was out for the year. And today I think it was Isaiah Epps who, you know, we we, we wanna see who's gonna be that guy to step up and maybe take some pressure off of Lynn Bolton. He's probably one of the main candidates or you know, you'd probably be one of the guys you named first. He he played quite a bit last year. You know, got some experience out there on the field, so he could be out about six weeks. Uh, and so you got those two. You kind I just hope you know now you just hold your breath. And it's like that with every sport. So your baseball and spring training, there's always that rash of oblique injuries for the pitchers and hitters where you just kind of overextend those muscles that you're going to be using all year. Uh, basketball, you know, you got ACLs and Achilles and, and things like that. Um, at the start of the season. Football is hamstrings, it's knees, it's ankles, and, and you just hope hope the guys can make it through and Devontae Robinson with the quad. Uh there's a lower body injury for Isaiah Epps too, so hopefully uh, there won't be any more uh, casualties from that and, and that's you know, it's always part of it, but hopefully they can make it through. Everybody can get through to the opener. Uh, and a speedy recovery yeah, for Epps too.
2: Absolutely, and I think most uh, fans and uh, you know uh, after the the practice, Coach Stoops gave us gave gave kind of those those standard kind of coach answers, uh, but for 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 my money, the concern has to be the defensive backfield at this point, point. and uh, Tony Neely, who works in the athletic department, was saying you know. Hey, starting off with Toledo, who kind of runs that modified air raid type offense, that's going to be a big time test on the, the inexperienced yet talented backfield. Uh, So, you know, we're going to have to hit the ground running to to get moving uh, against Toledo and Eastern Michigan, because, you know, Florida, you know, we've talked about why do we play Florida early part of the season, but with Florida in week three, that's going to be a big time test for, for the defensive backfield. So if we can hit the ground running, like I, I think we'll win those first two games, but uh, you really want to get some good reps in for the, the defensive backfield. Um, but I'm glad you mentioned Lynn Bowden. I'm not an X and O's guy. I don't know a lot of stuff to see, but he looks really good. Like, you're gonna to have to work to out, to out to overthrow him. He was making some catches on some passes that weren't necessarily right on the money, and and watching him kind of in space, practicing uh, his punt returns. And and Stoops also talked about that too, finding a second guy like a Bouvier was last year, a second guy to to spell Lynn Bowden because you don't want him out there, you know, for. 50 or 60 offensive plays and returning kicks. You'd like to be able to have someone else you can work in. Uh, and Stoops was saying he hopes that person kind of shows himself this first part of training camp uh, so, he can get, so he can get all this taken care of.
1: Yeah. And like we mentioned, that injury bug, it is – it's – you know the chances of it happening are – abundant and it happens to everybody Uh, and you look around the conference Missouri, who's getting a lot of love, uh, picked ahead of Kentucky Uh, Kelly Bryant is a big reason why and he's been missing time with a hamstring injury Uh, and also a big tight end for Missouri, one of their kind of main weapons was was also uh, missing some time with an injury Uh, I think Toledo lost their starting center So that's going to factor in, especially you mentioned the defensive backfield for Kentucky being a concern. The front four, the defensive line, should be a a huge strength. You know, Mahana and Phil Hoskins and Calvin Taylor and all those guys that are coming back, you know, didn't have a lot of guys lost to the draft there. Uh, So that'll be an area to kind of attack even more uh, with, with Toledo suffering a loss there and just saw where Emmitt Gooden for Tennessee, if you watch any of the Last Chance you he was on there a couple of years ago uh, from Memphis, decided to go to Tennessee. The Vols just lost him. He's a big defensive lineman. Their best defensive lineman just lost him for the season with a torn ACL. So it, you see everybody, you know, here, us, in Lexington, everybody just make it through camp. Every all across the country, you know, everybody in Knoxville now they're feeling that loss. We felt the same thing with Linda Young last year. You just want to see the guys get healthy and make it through the season. Not everybody does, and we've already seen some other teams that Kentucky will face uh, lose some some big key players already.
2: Yeah, and and again, that's that's part of it. Uh, injuries are are not just a Kentucky thing. It's just kind of it's. It's everywhere so you try to get the most out of your team and keep them as healthy as you can, because like Stoop said, you and I have talked about it as well when the season starts, you know that's uh, uh it's gonna be grueling from from the jump you know toledo eastern Michigan those are should wins but, but you have to handle your business uh, before Florida comes to town, which will be a ridiculous uh home game uh atmosphere so the the I think the vibe I got is yes there's pressure on the team. Obviously you don't want to have a two and ten season after a ten and three season. Uh but I think they're embracing that. This is what they have prepared the last five years for was to get to this point. That's the feeling I got from uh, from Coach Stoops and his staff.
1: Yeah, yeah. So excitement is building, uh they're definitely putting in the work. And the piece I wrote a piece, you know, about Stoops and Ed Reed, and you know how they've been tight ever since Stoops coached them, and now Ed Reed went into the Hall of Fame this past weekend. This uh, this year will make history for Kentucky if they have a winning season. The past two times when they won ten games, they followed that up with a losing record. So even even the history following the good history has been bad history. You know, the 77 team, you know, the next year they had a losing record. Uh, the Sugar Bowl team, they follow that up, they have a losing record. So I'm still trying to figure out how many wins I'm picking, but, you know, and like you said, we'll do that next week. You know, you get to 7-5 and five this year, and you've quote-unquote stepped back, you know, from 9. If you drop to 7, you're still making positive history, because you follow up your ten win season with a winning record, and that's another first as far as Kentucky football is concerned. Right, it's a
2: step in the right direction. And and uh, there was someone I'm trying to look it up. Uh, there was from South Carolina that was on Fine Bomb Show, and we talked about this, and I'm gonna talk about it again. South Carolina is chirping like they're Alabama. There's no excuse. For any SEC team to lose to Kentucky five straight times is a quote, and yet here we are. I mean, at, at some point, quote Bill Parcells, "You are what your record is. Like you just—that's who you are." And South Carolina can talk about what they've done and who they are and all this stuff in the past, but the fact of the matter remains: it's five straight losses against Kentucky. So, objectively, you're not a better program than Kentucky. So, at some point, you just have to deal with is is. You know, that's that's kind of where we are, too. So, to to continue to to break those uh, misconceptions, Kentucky's going to have to, as you said, put together a winning season. You know, have a 10-win season, follow up with a winning season, maybe not get back to those 10 wins, although – a break here, a break there, I can see it. Uh, I may not be that bold to say 10 wins. We'll see next week. But
0: if yeah. you get to eight
2: or nine wins, you know, 18 wins over a two-year period ain't bad for Kentucky football. That is a step in the right direction because you get to eight, at least eight wins, you know, that's extending a win streak against South Carolina or Missouri or a Florida And I'd have to look at the record scene when we had back-to-back, you know, wins over Florida at 80s, obviously, uh, going back. So to get to eight or nine wins, a lot of things have to uh, go right uh, for a program. And and I see that we can actually do that. So uh, uh, all these people that are kind of predicting doom and gloom, I'm not completely on board with that. Obviously, I'm high on these Wildcats. I mean, granted, yeah, they got to go out and play these games, but I don't see that backslide coming.
1: Yeah, I'm having a hard time, too, uh, to just see the wheels completely come off. It's just been the continuity on the staff, the recruiting depth, the development of these better caliber recruits that they've gotten they come in. So you, you kind of mix all these things together and you, you look at where they've come from to where they are. Uh, it's not like they cut corners to to be a flash of the pan. It's, it's like it's, it's some substance there. Uh, you know, Ole Miss jumped up, you know, with, with that recruiting class and all that stuff they did under Hugh Freeze, but kind of found out they kind of cut some corners and you know, there wasn't a lot of cement in the foundation and you know they fell right back down and, and crumbled. You kind of see Kentucky gradually, methodically do what they've done to get themselves where they are. Uh, Got to give Mitch Barnhart t- uh, credit for allowing that time to take place to go from two wins to five to five to seven to seven and jump up to nine and then win a bowl game for ten. So, uh, on the outside, like everybody sees, well, you lost pretty still, like you mentioned, you lost Josh Allen, your entire backfield, secondary uh, is in the draft. Mike Edwards, Darius West, Chris Westry, Derek Beatty, uh, Lonnie Johnson, all those guys are gone. How in the world are they going to replace it? And that's the narrative. That's why they got pick six in the East again at media days, and that's why everybody's expecting them to just, you know, same old Kentucky going, you know, fall apart. It's hard to see that. And we're closer to it than they are, but it's hard to see it because we've seen the process. And In this process, there weren't any quarters cut.
2: And and, and that's what a lot of folks were saying early on in Stoops' tenure. You know, I've talked to people about how it was, uh, because I think the first game I got to cover, or that first year I covered football, was Jokers last season. And... Mm to see the facilities then to where they are now. Like I don't think the average fan understands kind of where Kentucky was just in facilities compared to other places. So it wasn't just like Billy Gillespie to to Cal, you know, where, where Cal could kind of slide in, everything was already up and running. It was, it wasn't just a renovation it was raising the building down to the – beyond the foundation and starting over. It was pouring the new slab. It was reworking everything from the jump. And a lot of credit has to go to uh, Mitch Barnhart uh, and Dwayne Peavy and those folks in the administration side, to Coach Stoops and, and the coaches on his side, to really working together to get this to get this right, because every time you see a team come out of nowhere to go from worst to first in college athletics, usually a team that comes out of nowhere usually has gotten there from some nefarious means. Uh And and you point out old myths. You go from two wins to ten wins to ten wins, the NCAA uh, investigation team, team shows up pretty soon after that. And then we come to find out X, Y, and Z is happening. You know, just how you know, a team that people don't really think about all of a sudden gets good, that's what you want to see. Uh, so that just leads me to what Stoops has done. And as we all know, the winds have gone up. The, the, everything has improved. And the people that say all oh, want to see progress will open up your eyes. I mean, <laughs> we are seeing progress in real time. It's, it hasn't been flashy. You know, it hasn't been spectacular. You know, we're not scoring 40 points a game. That's not the way Stoops and Coach Grant are going to get things done. Uh, I think it was Grant, or, or I forgot what coach said, they're going to throw it 40 times a game. That's not happening. I don't see that happening <laughs> with Rose and smoke in the backfield. If we throw it 40 times a game, that's that's a lot has gone wrong. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think you know 20 to 25. I think would be that that sweet spot. But if it's if it's if we're throwing for 40 times a game, look, I love Terry Wilson. He's not Tim Couch. He's not Jared Lorenzen. Is not Andre Woodson. We don't need to do that. <laughs> and, and 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 what people forget, with all of the the, the the passing numbers that we have seen, don't sleep on Anthony White was rushing for at you know a thousand yards while Tim Couch was passing. You know Jarrett Lorenzen had Raphael Little, who is one of those running backs that we forget about And so you're like, well, wait a minute, he was all SEC. He was you know you forget. That we've had some really good running backs, you know. When Kentucky is really good, they've got that 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 running game. So, uh, for my money, forty times is too much. Twenty twenty-five, I think, is pretty good, uh, kind of depending on on that. But I I, I just don't think, uh, yeah, Terry Wilson throwing forty times a game is not going to be a recipe for a, a nine or ten win season.
1: I, I don't think. <laughs> We just finished with media days, and now everybody's in fall camp. You know, what just ended was basically what everybody calls the talking season. Last year, Benny came out and said, you know, he was the best back in the conference, then went out and became UK's all-time leader rusher, and then you proceeded to see his name every week on SEC list with Tim Tebow and Herschel Walker, and now you see Benny Snell, and you know, went out and backed it up. Where are you on Trash Talk? I went round and round with our guy, Cameron Mills. We write for him, com. Went round and round with him on Twitter, round and round with him texting, round and round with him in person, round and round with him <laughs> on his show because he was just just appalled that Benny came out and said that he was the best <laughs> back in the conference and, you know, you let your game speak and, and. Look, I don't, you play more basketball than I do. I'm starting to knock the rust off. You know, Tina Cox called in and talked about a potential chance to play basketball uh, in the most hallowed arena in our home state. When you're out there playing every week, are you a trash talker? And I'm not a talker, but I don't have a problem with it. Like Cameron was lost to like no talk, period. He's not a talker and he has a problem with trash talk. So where where is Terry Brown at? Um the trash talk.
2: Okay, on, on trash talk. Let me let me pull up my uh, pull up my soapbox here. Vinnie no. Hardy and, and, and listeners out there, I am from Louisville, Kentucky. The most famous Louisvillian that ever Louisville <laughs> was born Cassius Clay. He changed his name to Muhammad Ali. And to paraphrase the greatest, it ain't trash-talking if you can back it up. It's not trash-talking if you can back up what you say. Now, it depends. I don't trash-talk the the guys I play with every week. You know, I'm just out there having fun. It kind of depends. But if I get it going and and you've been kind of chirping at me, I'm going to chirp back. And what uh-huh. I tend to do, I go with that, that Michael Jordan kind of thing. And I wanted, I'm trying to remember. I think it was Steve Smith that was talking about it. The worst trash talk from Michael Jordan was not, I'm going to bust you up for 50. It was Steve Smith. I think it was Steve Smith was saying you would guard him pretty good throughout the possession, but then he would do something incredible And score on you And then he would say to you You almost had it Like (laughs) As he's torching you for 40 points He's giving you pointers On how to defend it And say things like Oh you went for the shoulder that time Oh no 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 you're reaching You're reaching you don't want to reach Or your balance is off That's a different kind of trash talking I'm also a fan of Gary Payton And Gary Payton Back in the pre-internet days Would do his research he knew about your mama. I mean, he 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 talked about everything, you know. So for me, it just it just depends. I've got no problem with it if you can back it up. If you're Muhammad Ali and you say I'm going to knock you out in the second round, and then you knock him out in the second round, I, I'm okay with that. You know, you, uh, I saw where Dominique Wilkins was talking about uh his first time guard Larry Bird. And Larry Bird couldn't believe they put a rookie on him. Right? <laughs> and he basically said, I'm gonna bust your ass and he put up forty. So it's like I mean, you know uh, I, I've got I've got zero problem with it. I I think it adds to it. Some people use it as a weapon, uh so it to me it just depends now if you're talking and you're getting your butt beat, shut it up
1: yeah <laughs>
2: right or or if you're talking trash and the game is already over either way, if you're up forty talking trash to me that's a bad look but before before the game, absolutely and yeah. and, and, and having that swag' because here's the thing <laughs> I went to a lot of the the basketball games during the ninety five ninety six season, okay, the untouchables. And I watched Antoine Walker, and there's no way you can convince me he didn't tell teams they were going to beat him by forty points, and then they went out and they beat him by forty points. Uh huh. Like I, just, you can't convince me of that fact. You can't convince me that that once guys reach a certain level that there isn't some trash talking. I think that's part of it, particularly in basketball. In basketball, you're right there next to your person. There's no pad. There's no face mask. It's not like baseball where you're you know, 60 feet, 6 inches away. If you're a batter, you're a pitcher. Basketball lends its stuff to that. And, and you can see that when you watch a basketball game, particularly if you're at the game. You can see guys trash talking each other. You can see guys <laughs> you know uh, I, I, like, I'm thinking Kevin Durant and Patrick Beverly in the playoffs. Like, you are going to guard – like, you're guarding me? Like, what? Like, <laughs> you can see <laughs> just the a look of disgust when somebody switches out on them. And you can tell – you know, to me, that's bad. <laughs> that is playground. That is – I'm going to score. You can't keep me from scoring, and, and, and let's just go see. Some And look, and sometimes it backfires. Everybody gets dunked on at some point. Yeah, That just happens. Jordan got dunked on. You know, Kevin Johnson put uh, Akeem Olajuwon on a poster that year. It happens. But the the trash talking to me is part of it. And I don't think – and here's my thing. I don't think Benny Snell saying I'm the best back in the SEC, I don't think that's trash talking. I think that's like, hey – you're talking about this guy at Alabama. You're talking about this guy. Look at what I'm doing. You know, as you said, he's, uh, he's, his numbers were in the conversation with Herschel Walker. Now, I'm not going to put him on Herschel's level or Bo's level. I get that. Right. You know, playing more games and everything like that. But if you're in that conversation, you know, there are a lot of great backs that have come to the SEC that weren't even in that conversation. Okay, so I've got zero problem with Benny saying, "Hey, I'm pretty good too." You know, I, I got yeah. zero problem with that. I don't see that as trash talking more than him just saying, "Hey, hey, hey," before you, you know, talk about these guys. Look, look at what I have done. But I've got zero yeah. problem with trash talking.
1: Zero. Yeah. Could be because, yeah,
2: like I said, born and raised in Louisville, but zero. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and I'll kind of do that indirect stuff at them where they can hear it. Like if, if we're on the same team and you regard somebody and it's just stuff you pick up, and I'm like, man, just force him to the right. You know, he can't go left. And, and either he, he already knows that or he's going to try it or, or, you know, little stuff about weaknesses that you see. Like, oh, he's going to go two dribbles to his right, and he's going to pull fake before he shoots. And then, you know, just saying stuff to get in their head like that. I'll do that indirect stuff. And I'm like, if you know, somebody just keeps yak, 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 and damn, then I'll give it back too. But even though I don't talk a lot, I don't have a problem with it. It wasn't like I had no problem with what Benny said or anybody, whatever Cash Daniel says about disrespect, whatever Len is said, I, I didn't have a problem with any of it. Right. It, it, I, I
2: don't. Uh, it, it to me, especially basketball, it's it's part of it. You know, somebody comes out and you I got no problem I look, people say it to me all the time. They you know, uh, this guy he can't guard me. Well, be that as it may, let's see. You know, and I can go out and hold my own. You know, this guy <laughs> what is, you know, 'cause what what throws people off with me is, you know, I like to look good. My jersey collection is is you know, famous. So I look good. You know, I I rotate. I got my good kicks. I got my my game day shorts. I got my jerseys. Got my goggles. Got my headband. Got my wristbands. Got my sleeve. I look good. So it's always, oh, that guy looks good, but can he play good? And I try to back it up when I can. I mean, I can't play with the twenty year olds anymore, but I try to do my thing. So to me, trash talk is just part of it.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Let's catch us a quick little break. Uh, we got some. We still got to talk about the AD. Uh, you wrote about it. Can okay, get your thoughts on that? Uh, and AB, uh, as in Antonio Brown, because he gave us some stuff that we need to unsee if we have happened to see it. Talk about all that. Uh, first hour is rolling on. Catch Talk Wednesday. Back from the week off. Vinnie Hardy, tay Brown. Brandon Hardy Radio Network, blocktopradio.com. Catch our breath real quick. Pardon my sniffles. Uh, we'll be right back shortly, y'all. back. Cast Talk Wednesday, Vinnie Hardy, Terry Brown, and Hardy Radio Network, Radio dot com. Rolling through hour number one. If you're missing us right now, be sure to catch us wherever podcasts are available. iTunes, Castbox, Player FM, Stitcher, TuneIn, all those apps. You can find Cast Talk Wednesday on there. Every episode, every show, you can listen and re-listen at your convenience. Uh, other noteworthy news, too, we see where Courtney Love has been named the new uh, Director of Player Development, uh, taking over for the position that Freddie Bagger had last year, too. So uh, uh, a good dude, a solid guy, played his heart out while he was at Kentucky, uh, still loves Kentucky, and no doubt he'll do uh, a fine job in that role as well. Yeah, he was there on Saturday, and you know he was the
2: Danny Werfel Award winner a few years back for his uh, community service, and that's that's a really good thing as well. Uh, I think sometimes it gets overlooked is not only do we have a lot of the, the on-the-field stuff getting uh, better, but there are a lot of really good student-athletes that work, do fantastic work in the community as well. Yeah.
1: And the four for 40 that they instituted, uh, where it's not just while you're a player, but looking to continue to help you and support you for years after your playing days are over. A lot of former players coming back and being reunited or, or helping players uh with life post-football, with jobs or interviews or, or things of that nature. So uh, no doubt that will continue, and, and that's definitely for the best. Absolutely. Oh, and, and we we praise Mitch Barhart, uh, but you kind of took issue with him. I mentioned that at the beginning of the show, you've been writing a ton of articles. Uh, and a polarizing decision, decision that's got a lot of people on both sides. Uh, the SEC left it up to each school to decide what they were going to do about alcohol sales at games, and I think Texas A&M and, and Arkansas are the only two to do so so far. Uh, Alabama and some others have said they won't, and I think it was The last – the Thursday after we were on last, like that very next day, and then went into a press conference about it the the following day, where Mitch Barhart said that Kentucky would be one of those that would not be uh, selling alcohol at the entirety of the venue. I guess I should put it that way.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, Mitch Barnhart has done a great job, and we, I, I'm, I'm a big fan, I'm, but there's two things that I think are really going to color his legacy with a lot of folks, and that's going to be the checkerboard, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. I'm, of all the things to complain about, checkerboard is it, not the biggest, but it's going to be this alcohol thing. So the perception is that Mitch Barnhart personally, I guess, and, and UK as a whole don't care about the average fan. And so what has happened is no matter what happens, what event occurs, it's viewed through that prism of UK doesn't care about the regular fan. Now it's a fine line that the athletic director at, at any major university needs to walk. It. You need big donors to get things like Kentucky Proud uh, Park uh, baseball field, uh, built Crop Stadium for softball, the uh, Bell for soccer, Kroger Field renovation. You need big-time donors. But you also need your, uh, your, your average jokes. You know, folks that may be season ticket holders in a sport, but, you know, don't give a whole lot. You also need people that are, can only do one or two games a year. You also need people that don't do that. So it's, it's a pretty wide swath that an athletic director at a university needs to really keep in mind. You know, students as well. There's a lot of things that juggle. And what has happened is with this alcohol decision, it's not, alcohol is not going to be sold to the general populace at Kroger Field. But if you go to the suite, you absolutely can get some alcohol. Whatever you want to whatever you want to, to 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 consume. So the issue with a lot of folks in the Big Blue Nation, and I get it, with the renovation, some folks left lost their, their close up parking. So if you're a regular fan, you have to park farther away. You have to walk by the big-time boosters, they've got those little cabins that you can uh, tailgate in now, and it's just its over-the-top opulence. So you're one of these, you're an average fan. Like the level I'm at, the level that you're at, you've got to walk from a farther distance after paying. You've got to walk through all the, the, the up-close stuff to the stadium, and then you get to watch those people go to their suite, and you know that they're consuming alcohol. I'm not, you know, and and it's a weird situation. I'm not even arguing whether the decision was right or wrong. You know, personally, I I think, yeah, maybe you probably should. But that's not what I was saying in my piece. My piece was this just looks bad. You know, the the optics, the perception is just bad that if you're going to say alcohol is bad, okay, well, it's bad for everybody or it's not bad for anybody. That's the point I'm making. That's what I was saying in my piece. And that's gonna be one of those things that that Mitch Barnhart in and, and UK is gonna to have to really work to overcome that. And it's a shame that after a off coming off a ten win season cause that's kind of a talking point as
1: we come into this next season. Yeah. <clears throat> and I, I guess I'm kinda of like you either you go all in one way or the other. Don't just split it down the middle with the the sweep that the the Woodford Club or the paddock or, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, if you had it, that doesn't mean I would get something every time I was at a game. <clears throat> it's nice to know that you could. Or if you don't, then, you know, whatever's going on with tailgates will continue to go on, and it would be uniform across the board. Uh but like it's like been said by countless people, you know, you in this section, you're not able to, but you can look right over here and see people partaking uh, in the suites and, and the club levels and all that. Have you gone up to the suite, you know, when you covered the game? Have you went to, well, I think it's the fourth floor, it's in the fifth floor when you go into the press box. Have you just popped in there uh, during a football game yet?
2: They're, they're Yeah, they're great. Uh and that's part of that upgrade. And I get it. You need to have sweets. You need to have that fun thing. I get it. I'm not knocking the, the existence of sweets. I'm just saying it's a bad look when there's the privileges are so stark. And for the language that, uh, that Mitch Barnhart was using when talking about what, the decision, if he just said, we're not going to sell alcohol, like I I was looking at some of the other places that said no, most of them just said, hey, we're not doing it. And, that's, and that was the end of it. But when you start talking about on a moral level of alcohol being bad, and look, I get it. You know, there was the, the, the drunk driving incident at the beginning of last season with little Marco. I, I get that. You know, and you don't want that to become a thing. I, I get it. I understand it. But you, you can't play uh, the morality card. You can't be the moral police uh, for one group and not for the other group. It, it, it reminded me yeah. so much of George Orwell's Animal Farm. You know, all animals are created equal. Some are just more equal than others. And to, and to me, that's yeah. always uh, a, a bad look you know, when you when you kinda of come out and you and you say that. Um, and the thing is, Mitch I still think is is just an underrated athletic director. You know, he won athletic director of the year award here recently. And when you look at those directors cup rankings, prior to Mitch Barnhart, we were in the seventies, fifties and sixties ranked overall athletic department. Now not only we're consistently top fifteen. I mean that's that's a testament to to his his vision, his staff getting us where we need to be. So, what I don't want to have happen is everybody harp on these bad things and over, and omit the really
1: really good things. Yeah, yeah. And I was at the I was covering the game when when Marco was tragically uh, killed in an accident. The young driver wasn't at the game, so <clears throat> it wasn't like he, you know, had got alcohol and left Kroger Field and, and then went and this happened. Uh, I do get that as well, like you said, and I'm kind of with you on the language. Like you said, don't don't be moral here and not be moral there. What gets me is the, the insinuation that, you know, me and you and fans like me and you you know, ten, twenty, y'all can't handle alcohol where y'all sit, <laughs> but you know, in here, they are all right with it, and we want to keep a family atmosphere out here where y'all sit. When we know there's kids in there where they sit as well, so do you know you can't be talking on both sides of your mouth, and that's kind of what he did. Instead of just saying no, like everybody else, it's like he tried too hard. To over explain it and just dug the hole deeper for himself and it just kind of made it look worse. Right. You know, and that's part of it
2: too. Just say, no, we're not doing it and leave it like that. Because we, again, start playing the moral card. My whole thing with that is, you know, I don't think that Louisville fans, which you can buy overpriced beer at uh, Cardinal Stadium at the Young Center, you, you certainly can do that. Uh, I don't understand. I don't like the implication that Kentucky fans can't handle it, and Louisville fans can't. That's, and I think that rankled some people the wrong way as well. I think, right. and he just and I, and again, I'm not arguing for alcohol. I you know for for me personally, when I'm going not to cover it, I'm gonna handle my business. Not not going to the concession stand. I'm gonna leave it like that. I'm gonna uh. handle my business and do what I need to do, because for me, I don't want to spend $8 on some watered-down grade-D beer. That is not my idea of spending my money wisely. So it doesn't bother me, but i like to have the option, and I think a lot of Kentucky fans, one, were upset that, okay, these people can do it and you can't. And then I think they were rightly to be offended by the implication that We don't know how to behave, and I think that's a slippery slope that you don't want to get on if you're an athletic director. If you've already had some PR snafus, and it's it's little things like that. Last year, uh, I can't think of the company now. I'm going to go look at when uh, the giveaway uh, was for the the hard hats, and that was Uh Bullard. And yeah. I don't think I don't think uh, the UK leg Department was doing anything with that. I don't think they, you know, sanctioned it. But they, it was only done for the lower level. you know. And, and I yeah. said then, <laughs> if you're, if you're, if 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 a company says we're going to do a giveaway like this, then I would hope that Mitch Barnard or whoever might say, hey. If you ain't got twenty three thousand of whatever you're doing,
0: <laughs>
2: or or if you've only got this much, it's first come first serve. As you come through the door, that's the way a lot of teams do giveaways. If you've only got ten thousand widgets, first ten thousand get them. But I think to, right. to set it up where it was just a lower level, and I don't, I, I haven't heard. I don't know definitively. I don't think. That Barnhart or UK had anything specifically to do with it, but those kinds of things are what get people riled up and saying, "Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute," you
1: know. You know exactly. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah, definitely, it was it was a hot topic over these past few days. So, I had to had to throw our two cents in on it. Uh, on a lighter note. I'm, I think it was yesterday, Kentucky basketball account we did the the tweet with the, you know, school starting back, everybody going back on campus. Ten years of Calipari being here in Lexington. And they set up, you know, the picture of a tweet, ten different tables of who you would sit with uh, if you were coming into the cafeteria and were able to do so. And, you know, table one was while cousins bled so – yeah, and so on and so forth. Uh, let's see, who was table? Uh, table two, Brandon Knight and Duran Lamb and Terrence Jones. Table three, uh, AD, MKG, it uh, look like Lamb again. Uh, Ford Nerlands. uh each, each year represented by the guys for the team, you know, all the way one through ten. Which of those tables were you sitting at, you know, or pulling up a tray to? to eat with. Uh,
2: I said number five. That's the one with the Harrison twins and uh, Julius Randall. That was my, Uh that was my uh, kind of representing that 2014 team, which I think, you know, I'm all about, you know, who's underrated and this kind of thing for whatever reason, uh, I don't think we hold the Harrison twins in as high a regard as we probably should. And I know for a fact that Mr. Double-Double Julius Randle, nobody talks about that guy either. And he was an absolute beast and a half. I mean, he, again, a walking double-double. I mean, he, you, know, you can count on your, your hand the number of guys that have done that at UK, uh and, and Randall did it from the jump, you know, had that big game against Michigan State. So I went with underrated table number five.
1: Uh, let me give a full credit. I apologize. Terrence Jones, Brandon Knight, Durant Leal, table two, AD, MKG, Darius Miller, table three, Merlin, Goodwin, Porters four, your table five, the Twins and Julius, six, Devin Booker, Cautiles and Willie. Seven Ulis, Murray, Briscoe, 8, Fox, Mount, Bam, 9, Shea, Harvey, uh, Kevin Knox, 10, uh, you got Keldon Johnson, Hero, and PJ Washington. I was, uh, I kind of did 1 and 1A. One I did, uh, and I, I, I see your point on number 5. It is underrated. The Twins caught too much Criticism while they were there, and of course, they're going to kind of get overlooked and definitely, you know, once they're gone. Same thing with Julius, uh, and then I went and did the exact same thing in my choice because I, I picked table six with Devin Booker, uh, Carl Towns, and Willie. Just because, you know, if you go going off personality, uh, I would go on that because Willie's just so different, and, and Carl's a different kind of dude, too. Uh, and table eight, Fox, Monk, and Bam. Uh, I don't know, just the, the style of play there. If you go if you go by style of play, if you go by personality, however you want to choose how you sit at those tables, uh, those were the kind of 1A, 1, 1 and 1A choices for me. But uh, it was fun, it was a fun little something to do during the summertime. And cool that they tweeted it out. Uh, and everybody, of course, got their favorites and their preferences. But uh yeah, table, table five is solid, you know, towards Randall. Yeah, and, and you're right. Nobody talks about them as much as they should. Yeah, and, you know,
2: I don't think anybody would sit at table four. I haven't seen anybody with, you know, with, you know uh, yeah. and, and Archie <laughs> and Poitras. I, you know, that that would be the table that would be by themselves. Unfortunately, that's, that's the NIT team. That's just, you know, Probably, you know, not probably, but the the worst team Cal has had, that would be the table that would just be the three of those guys, unfortunately, unfortunately. I think that when you look at table two and table five, you're just, you know, table two, that that Brandon Knight team, I, I think that people would just, that's a Final Four team. Anywhere else, people would line up to sit there. No. I think number one, I saw a lot of people number one, uh, representing Cal's first team and and that team to me that's the rock star team, right? That is that that team yeah. even even twenty twelve that won the championship, the the John Wall, uh, Bledsoe, uh, the Marcus Cousins team, that's still the cool team, right? That's still the coolest yeah. just that that's the team that got the swag back. Like that is still and we've had some great teams since then. Some teams that went farther in the tournament. Some teams that went as far. Uh, Start with last year's team, but that still seems to be the cool team, right? Who doesn't want to sit with John Wall and Demarcus Cousins? I mean, Wall is Wall, and you know, hello, Mr. President, this is Demarcus Cousins. I mean, that's still the <laughs> cool team, right? What I'm looking at yeah. is if you're if you're looking at the best the best unit, like. I would sit with Tyler Ulis and Murray and Briscoe. Those guys had it going on. They were a solid big man away from doing some damage. I think I could learn something about basketball at that table, right? Uh, when no. you look at even you know last year's team, I thought that Kelvin was a pretty fun guy, but I think there's just a couple of teams, you know. And even if you're going to talk to somebody, you want to talk to Willie Cauley Stein at table six. I think that's a pretty good person that you get to talk to, him and, 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 yeah. and Devin Booker. So you, you can't go wrong that my heart goes out to table four because ain't nobody sitting there. <laughs> like that's the one team, yeah. you know, it is, it is, and, it, and it's, it's, it's bad, but, but that's just the one team that it, there's no reason to talk about. I mean, the only reason we talk about it is to point out, hey, we don't want that to happen again, or we talk about Merlin and his, you know, 55 blocks or whatever it was against Ole Miss, you know, that, that stretch. But nobody talks about that. You're yeah. not getting it. So nobody's sitting at that table. I think a lot of people are saying number one. I haven't seen so many people say number five, but that's just me. I love the twins. You know, I, I think them coming back. And And here's the thing. Everybody talks about, well, you know, Euliss and Booker should have played more. And I said I wasn't going to go on the soapbox, but here I am. Like, how do you argue with a with a backcourt that got you thirty eight straight wins? Like, how do you just throw them in the trash? I don't understand that that mindset at all. Like, I just don't get that. But uh, it's a fun little exercise to kind of break down. You know, which team you want to sit with. A lot of number ones I've seen, but I'm I'm rocking with number five. Uh,
1: because that
2: that that run, I haven't had more fun watching the contest- and I've seen some championship runs, but every game seemed like a like a huge game in 2014. I mean, yes, I think the first round was that. I think that was against Kansas State in the first round. That was a mess game. That was the game. Hey, you know, we won that game. Woohoo! But from Wichita State on, oh my goodness. Come on,
1: man. Come on. Yeah. Absolutely. And speaking of, we got a call that's been on the line for a minute from coming up northeastern way from the nine seven three area code, so let me just pop and see. Oh, hello Carly, you're on Cat's Talk Wednesday.
3: How do you do, sir? Uh I am from the northeast, uh, correct, from from New Jersey actually.
1: Cool, cool. How are you doing today?
3: All right. Now, I know you don't really get a lot of uh, information from uh, this part of this part of the country, though.
1: Yeah, go ahead, man. What are you, what are you calling about? You want, you calling from sports? You talking?
3: Yeah. Uh, well, sports, because okay. I think, you because, uh, you know, I'm from the Northeast, and, you know, we have our teams like, you know, the Jets and the Giants, and, you know, a lot of people are thinking, well, how they're going to do this year. Well, from a Giants standpoint, I think they're still lost and uh I think this is Manning's last year in not just a Giants uniform, but an NFL uniform, period. I mean the team is the team has completely lost itself.
1: Are you happy with you, Daniel Jones as your quarterback? Not teaching?
3: at all. No. <laughs> no they should have won they should have won Haskins. That would have that would have made a little, things a little bit better, not much. But Jones, I don't see doing anything much at all. And of course, now with OBJ gone, well, that makes it even that even makes it, makes it more depleted.
1: What's your name, sir? I mean, Let me get your name. Uh, Lou from New oh, Jersey. Oh. Lou, okay.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Okay. Hey, hey, and and Terry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I'm definitely going to want you to jump in too. Us being Kentucky guys. You know we're kind of. I'm a Cowboys fan. So let me put that out there. So am I. Oh. All right. Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that, Terry. <laughs> but uh, we're kind of. I'm, I'm keeping an eye on. Wow! Wow! Bob Lilly and the fellas. That's a little before me, but that's Hey, that's that's strong right there. Randy White, too tall, all those guys. Yeah. I'm keep I'm keeping an eye on the Giants because. Uh, Kentucky's tight end just went up there, CJ Conrad, and he's kind of having a pretty good camp hmm. up there right now. So, I mean, I'm still, you know, there's two times a year I'm not going to root for him, but I'm, I'm hoping he has a good camp in amidst all the dysfunction that is the New York Football giant Yeah, well,
3: they're still a lost cause, yeah. I, I, I think so. And the
1: just <laughs> so are much better. I thought you were, I, I thought you were, you know, coming in mad, but you've been a Cowboys fan. You know, you just hope they keep tripping over themselves, right?
3: Oh yeah. And in the AFC and East, well, I'm a Jet fan, and uh, I think we can do a little bit better now that we got Gronkowski out of the way. So that might make a little bit more uh, better for us if we can work on our defense.
1: Uh,
3: and I guess
1: look, we got some Kentucky guys over there too. Avery Williamson,
3: uh,
1: right, playing a linebacker up there. Uh, I, lo- I look. Everybody's tired of the Patriots. Uh, I'm sure they'll plug somebody in there that he won't be exactly Gronk, but they just keep finding a way year after year.
3: Uh, or as we, QTG? or as we refer in this part of the country, we refer it as them, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or it, as the case may be. Uh, you know how feel about the patriots. Yeah. Actually, my favorite yeah. sport is basketball.
1: Okay. NBA or college?
3: Either, either, or the other.
1: So you're a Brooklyn Nets fan, a Knicks fan, or you just you straight away and pick somebody else.
3: Knicks? No, no, I'm a Knicks fan, diehard Knicks fan since Uh-oh. since the '70s. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, I know. It's a bitter yeah. pill to swallow. <laughs> you
1: hope you you hoping James Dolan sells the team every day. Is that what y'all just hoping for?
3: i probably hoping actually that James Dolan gets deported to to uh, Antarctica or something like that. That'd be even better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sell the team yeah, and deport him.
1: He's you know messing y'all up for years. Can't get free I'll agents. Say that again. Yeah. <laughs> Kicking kicking guys out the stadium for, you know, one guy, one guy asked, are you going to sell the team? And he kicked him out of the garden that day. He's just so thin-skinned and more worried about his band than he is about the team he was on. Uh, Dolan's
3: got a few screw loose. <laughs> sure. Yeah, it doesn't take a chance it's to
1: skin.
3: figure that out.
1: Yeah. How did you come across the show tonight, Lou?
3: Block Talk Radio. I I looked up on the site to find out which show I was trying to do because I had some extra time. So I thought, well, I'll try and give this one a call. If that don't work. I'll try the other one. So um, I've been um, searching around. I am no stranger though to Block Talk Radio at all. Okay. First time on this show, it, but first time on Block Talk? No, not at all.
1: <laughs> I'm <got laughs> well, glad you called
3: me. I've been involved here yeah. for three years.
1: Okay. I'm to, to,
3: to have my own show. I'm going to have my own show on Saturday
1: there. nights. You do?
3: I do, but it's not on Blog Talk. What? It's on another. It's on another uh, service. But anybody um, who has any kind of sports knowledge is welcome to call in.
1: What's the What's the name of it? How can we find it?
3: Okay, simple. It's called the Enhanced Sports Show. Uh, we're on Saturday nights. Oh wait, what time zone are you guys in? Easter Okay, okay then it's six, uh, 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock I always want to be sure Where you know Where the calls are from um, You can you can find us On In the zone In the zone sports The number is Now here's the tricky part 712 775 7035 And there's a pin number 410 173 And then always Remember to press The pound sign After that Because if you don't you don't get squat.
1: You need a few more and sevens we'll cover, than your number, Lou. You need, a, you need a couple more sevens than your phone number, man. Right? Just a few more.
3: Well, yeah. Well, that was the pin code. <laughs> yeah, yeah every seven, Saturday seven, from seven 6 to five. 8.
1: Okay.
3: Yeah, 6 to 8 in the east. If you're calling from the central, which I thought you were, then it's 5 to 7. Uh, we handle just about anything in the sports world you can possibly think of. Hey, sounds
1: good. Yeah, I like you having fun with it, like we're trying to do,
3: right? I've been at this now almost two years uh, of hosting, so uh, I think I've gotten the hang of it.
1: Hey, there you go, man.
3: Yeah, and of course uh, we handle all different kinds of topics. Uh, we have some special features on the show too, like um, best and mom- best and worst sports moments of the month, and uh, like our topic of the week. And I think I'm already working on something for the. Um, Ridiculous uh, moment of the week uh, already. All
1: right.
3: Yeah, we for have all ridic- this- we have an item called the Ridiculous Item of the Week.
1: Oh, the week, okay. Yeah, well, this week, yeah, yeah. this Hope day. For, yeah, oh, gotta, I think I've already got something planned
3: for this week's Ridiculous Item.
1: What do you
3: got? Oh, I think I'd rather say it for in case you call into the show. This way I don't spoil it.
1: Oh, I got you. There you go. Tease it up. Tease it. Tease it. Tease it. You know, if because no if you guys
3: make call, I don't want to. I don't want to ruin it.
1: There you go. That's you right. You know, I like
3: to. I like to keep my callers in suspense sometimes.
1: Well, we understand how That's that goes.
3: I'm a sneaky That's one.
1: enhanced, enhanced enhance sports show. Are you on Twitter or anything?
3: Twitter, no. Facebook, yes.
1: Okay. Enhanced sports show on Twitter.
3: Uh, I don't do Twitter. Um, I mean, I, oh, I'm a Facebook. I'm Facebook user.
1: Okay. We're on so ngse my sports. That
3: we're on ngse sports dot com. Uh, look up, uh, look it up though on on the site.
1: Okay. We'll uh, so I'll check GSE you out, man. com. All right. Well, man, Can't I appreciate you calling and and holding. Absolutely. And, and, you know, we were we was chatting it up, but I appreciate you holding and calling the show, Lou. Definitely, man. All right, if you have a chance, 39 to 268, feel free to call in. Absolutely. Right. Thanks and for the call. We're
3: All right. Yeah, Thanks more on, like
1: calls. you. Have a good night, man. Got Lou from Jersey calling in. Hating the Giants. Also a Cowboys fan, so, hey, he's, you know, a good guy already for that alone.
2: Yeah, uh, I'm glad you know he called in. Uh, I think the Giants. I know we're going to talk some NFL at some point. Uh, I mean, the Giants have they've got to turn the page. I think they waited too long with with Eli Manning. Uh, I'm no Giants fan, but I think they waited a little too long because uh, you know he's he's at the end. Uh, but I mean, there's a lot of working parts going on, going wrong with the Giants right now. But I, I think when you got a quarterback that just can't get it done, you know that's the thing. Uh, for me, I've said before, I'll keep saying it that when it comes time for Eli Manning to go into the Hall of Fame,
1: he's going
2: to get in. But man, <laughs> man he, he's he's going to be the most Meh Hall of Famer ever. I mean, he, he had two really good postseasons, and that was it. Like, I don't think he's led the league in passing yards or touchdowns or – I don't even – I can't uh, – without looking, I can't even think of the Giants ever having a, you know, 13 or 14-win season with Eli. And when it comes to quarterbacks, I just – I always say, okay, if uh, for guy's really good, it, to me it's like, okay – this guy can beat us. And, and really, I, I never got that sense from Eli Manning. Not saying he's not very good in Super Bowl performances, the helmet catch. Uh, he had a sideline catch in the second Super Bowl, a, a, a pass he had. Fantastic. Yeah. But two Super Bowls and a lot of mess. I mean, he he's going to get in, but I'm not going to feel good about it.
1: <laughs> uh, speaking of who got in, did you feel good about – this past class that that went in, uh, Ed Reed, Tony Gonzalez, Ty Law, and Johnny Robinson from back in the day for the Chiefs, Gil Brandt, who constructed the Cowboys that I grew up enjoying watching, 20 straight winning seasons from '66 to '85. That's right when I started becoming a fan of the team. Uh, <clears throat> I'm leaving somebody out. Tony Gonzalez, Ty Law, Ed Reed. Uh, Johnny Robinson. Oh, the family of Pat Boland, the the late Pat Boland who owned the Denver Broncos, who should have been in long ago, in my opinion, but he goes in posthumously. Kevin Mawai, uh, the center for the Titans and the Seahawks and the Jets. You feel good about those guys that went in.
2: Yeah, and when it comes to the Hall of Fame, you really can't say, oh, that guy shouldn't go in. Most of the people, especially the Pro Hall of Fame, Pro Football Hall of Fame, that go in are deserving. I know I just said Eli Manning is going to fill me with a bunch of math, but I'm not going to argue against <laughs> his inclusion. Like, uh, so it was good. You know, it was on this date, uh, now that we talk about the Hall of Fame, uh, nine years ago that I went and saw Jerry Rice uh, go into the Hall of Fame. And some uh, other guy that played for the Cowboys. Uh, his name escapes <laughs> me at the moment But I'm sure I'll come to uh, <laughs> And I don't know if I ever told you Because Ralph and I went And we were walking around Just having a, a great time if, you, if you've never been as a pro football fan And you're from this area uh, I want to say Canton is only like Six, maybe seven hours away Maybe Give or take mm-hmm. I think you should go Uh, the festivities are great, it's a great museum, it's fantastic but did I ever tell you about, we ran into Jay Novacek
1: (laughs) and uh, we're just walking around
2: and yeah, he's got a big cowboy hat on he doesn't look like a big guy and then it hit me, I was like, I don't think I've ever seen Jay Novacek, like what he looks like to see, because we walked by him and we're like, just kind (laughs) of zoned out. And then some Cowboys fans like, Jay, we love you and I was like, Who do you think that is? And I said, I said that's Jay Novacek. I'm like I, I guess I like, I had no idea <laughs> 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 what he was you know, to see him to look at. But it was it was a fun thing. Uh, you know, with Ed Reed going in, you can put him the top four or five safeties ever. I think Champ Bailey uh, Bomani Jones said this on his yeah, podcast. Yeah. There's an argument to be made that he's a better corner than Dion. Like he's like, I wouldn't make that argument, but I can understand that. So that's great. Mm-hmm. Kevin Mawai, uh, you know, to, for an offensive lineman to jump out at you, they've got to be really good. Like, and Kevin Wy was that guy for for years and years. So I've got no problem with with who who got in. I think it's great. Uh it's it's always a fun time to you know, the speeches are good and, and everything like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I always uh like watching it. If I miss it I go back and eventually watch all the speeches. I still gotta watch Tony Gonzalez because uh we stepped out. oh I missed some of those guys so I gotta watch him but uh it's always fun and to see how grateful they are, uh, how blown away they are, how overwhelmed they are, even if they know they're going to be first ballot. To see them get the knock on the door from Dave Baker, who I, mean, I say it every year, that is a mountain of a man. That dude is huge, but it seems to be just the, the kindest, most gentlest guy you ever want to meet. But as big as and formidable as they are and they and Baker knocks on the door and he's just towering over them. And then, you know, they hug and usually a lot of, you know, break down or show some kind of emotion when he knocks on their hotel door. And then they all talk about that Nitsky luncheon where they all get together and have a lunch together, just all of those players. Uh, and Ed Reed mentioned it specifically in his speech. He said, man, that, you know, I'm, I mean all, all you guys, but that, that nisky luncheon, and, and he was hanging out with all, a lot of his fellow Miami Hurricanes in there. You know Michael Irvin and, and Ward Sapp and so on and so forth. But all those greats are in there. I remember Ty Law. They were interviewing him on NFL Network. You know Wednesday or Thursday leading up to the ceremonies, and he's like, up. Man, all these guys. So I I, I want to just run to Joe Green and just ask him for a coke when I get there. And that's what I. And he's a hall of famer now. <laughs> I can't, he can't. He can't. You know, they're, the fact that they're wrapping their minds around that they are in the same elite class as these guys that they've watched to see them process that over that weekend is what I always like watching. They get their jackets the night before, and then, of course, the presentation, whoever they pick to present them, and the stories of growing up and influences and, and the whole thing, man. I just love it every year.
2: Yeah, it, 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 and I was glad. I mean, I had made known years ago that when Jerry Rice went into the Hall of Fame, no matter what else I had going on, I was going to go.
0: Yeah. I had just
2: – that that was my thing. So I was lucky to do that. But then it clicked because you know what's going to happen because they vote on it in the Super Bowl. And then I was like, oh, my goodness, Emmett Smith is going in as Wessel. And so <laughs> uh, it was a very big crowd. Uh, uh, Dick LeBeau, defensive coordinator, longtime defensive coordinator of the Steelers, also went in in that class as a player. Uh, yeah. There were a lot of Steelers fans there. Uh, we sat yeah. next to a father and son. That were from somewhere close to Canton. I can't remember where they said, but they come just as a matter of a father and son thing. And he's like, you can always tell when it's when uh, somebody with the Packers, the Steelers, or the Cowboys go in, because those fans show up. Like it doesn't matter if <laughs> you know somebody from the Veterans Committee that gets in, you know, that, that plays yeah. in the 40s and 50s, whoever it is they, you know, they, they show up. So, uh, like I said, I was glad I was able to go. Uh, and, and the point you made about even the no brain brainers, your first ballot, like you could tell it meant something to Emmett Smith. You could tell it meant something to Deary Rice. And you're like, you're like, you should know as soon as you retire, your next stop is Canton. (laughs) I mean, Look at the oh, record your, you're, you're, you've got on your arm. But it's still to be there. And uh, for, for me, for, as, for Niners fans, you know, Jerry Rice was there, but kind of, you know, also there with him, uh, they were talking to, of course, Joe Montana and Steve Young. And for me, hey, you get those three together, I, I'm good.
0: <laughs> you know, I, I'm good to go. <laughs>
2: Uh, but it's a great, great tour of the Hall of Fame. I mean, they've got balls from from this game. They've got jerseys. They've got so much stuff. Uh, they've got the room for the bus, which, you know, it's, it, they said usually runs an hour, hour and a half, wait just to get in that room. And then they've got replicas, or they might actually have just copies of the real thing, of the rings, you know, Super Bowl rings. You oh. see. What the Packers got way back when, and what uh, you know the Patriots will have this year, and it's just you can see that it's it's great. Uh, the the only thing is, I would say if you're going for someone that plays for your favorite team, then all the stuff in the Hall of Fame related to your team is going to be crowded. Like when I went, I uh. wanted to see oh. There's Joe Montana's jersey from Super Bowl twenty three, but there's like 80 people around it. Oh, you know, uh, there's Jerry Rice's, I think it was his gloves. Oh, yeah, it was his gloves from when he broke the touchdown record. But, of course, everybody wants to see it, you know. So, there, you know, that's one of those <laughs> things you kind of have to, to juggle. It would be nice to go just on a regular day to see all that stuff. But it is good to see other fans from, you know, where are you from, along from this, you know, it, it's great to kind of have that community with other like-minded fans. Uh, I, I think is, is, is fantastic as, as well. So I enjoyed it, had a great time. I would love to go back again. I don't know that there's anybody currently playing that I'm like, I got to go see that guy. Of course, I mean, Jerry, is. everybody knows Jerry is my Jerry. Uh <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, but there's no one else that's got me like, man. I need to go watch this guy go in. Uh, yeah. But it was a good time. I was just looking at some of the old pictures of the day, Me and Ralph texting back and forth. Like, man, we really had a good time with that. Um, yeah. So yeah, so I, 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 I definitely enjoy the Hall of Fame.
1: Absolutely. And speaking of, probably you know if, if everything continues, another guy that's you know, next stop will be Canton whatever he hangs it up. Uh, his time in Pittsburgh ended unceremoniously and his time in Oakland is starting off a little weird. Antonio Brown <coughs> is is not able to participate in camp right now. And look, he's a veteran. He knows the drill. He'll he'll be in, everybody knows about his work ethic too. For all his off the field Drama and stuff he likes to bring and diva wide receiver. This he is one of the hardest working dudes. You can't argue with his production that he had while he was in Pittsburgh. But as a receiver, I would say you know your your hands are probably number one on your list when it comes to making your money. Number two or one A, I would say would have to be your feet to run those routes to get you open to catch the rock with those hands. And A B's wheels right now, T V and reportedly frostbitten from a cryo chamber, which is just, just a little weird. I know and look, everybody's about health now and, and taking care of your body and all that. But it's just odd. I mean, he played all those years in a cold weather city in Pittsburgh gets cold in December and November and, you know, you play on later to the playoffs up there. and You you know, you play in Baltimore, Cleveland, and Cincinnati, depending on when you play them, That's more cold weather games outside. <clears throat> but you get frostbite on your feet from a cryo chamber. All those years played out in the cold, but a cryo chamber messes Joe's feet up and has them looking like that before the start of this season. Whew! You know, Stuff you wish you hadn't seen, but that was whoa. Goodness great. Well
2: and, and and that just led me to believe, because we all seen pictures of like Shaq's feet and you yeah. know, when you look at some of these old time football players, the fingers go in different directions of uh, Tory Holt. And that yeah, Tory Holt is like that. Uh Dion's hands are really weird looking too. Uh, You know, know, and I understand, you know, CTE, head injuries and everything like that. But, but like my dad was telling me, if you're a professional athlete, you're, you're going to have some, some, some things, you know, your, your, your arm is not going to do like it's supposed to like, you're going to get banged up and beat up. But uh, with Antonio Brown, uh, yeah, you got to be smarter than that, because like you said, that's your feet, that's your bread and butter right there. Like, you, you've got to be able to take care of your feet. Now, and I understand that's what he's trying to do with the Cairo, 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 whatever, uh, to, to freeze and, and renew and all that kind of stuff. LeBron is, is infamous for his kind of routine, spending over a million dollars a year to keep his body in tip-top shape. So I get to that, but, man, you got to be smarter than that, buddy.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, man, that was... That was something else. Uh, let's transition on over to, to your boy LeBron. That's another article you wrote. Uh, LeBron going to Bronny games at AAU. And you basically said, you know, he can't do anything. It doesn't matter what he does or what he doesn't do. You said broad Jays can't win.
2: Well, here we are with LeBron. People have already made their minds up. They're either for him, against him, like him, don't like him. He's either the greatest of all time or he'll never beat you. Like, people have already made up their minds when it comes to LeBron. And and now it's just we're so over the top with it that it's ridiculous. His son dunked in a game when LeBron celebrated he ran on the court. He dunks. And the warm ups with his kid. Uh, I don't see anything wrong with it. A lot of people, uh, what if you know this is regular dad? It, it, it's not a regular dad, and I hate to break it to you, but in this world, who you are kind of matters. LeBron can do stuff the average dad cannot do. I mean, that's just that goes <laughs> without saying. Like,
3: <laughs> I mean, that's just. I,
2: well, you know, the regular dad... Yeah, a regular dad would have been walked off the court. They're not the best player in the world right now. I mean, that's just how it is. Well, then, you know, he's taking the spotlight away from his kids. His kids enjoy it. And then all these other people, people that are on their teams, people, opposing players, uh, talk about what it means to have LeBron there. And LeBron, you know, telling different kids, hey, I hope I'm still playing when you make it to the league. i that to me is great. I, I I don't understand the negative to it. On top of that, I'm a parent. You're a parent. With with my girls, here's what happens. And uh, I wish they were here. They could tell you uh, when they play. I don't sit down. They play field hockey. Big Miss <laughs> had a field hockey uh, tournament this past weekend, four games on Saturday and three or four on Sunday. I don't sit in the bleachers. I I find a little spot and I pace and I yell. (laughs) That's what I do. I'm good job or you got to get your stick down. That is what I do. You know, some parents can sit. It's just just different. You've got to find a balance between you and your kid as well. You know, for for me, my freshman year, I wrestled in in high school. I, I don't know if that's ever come up, but I did. In my freshman year, I was terrible. I was terrible. I was winless until the district tournament at Trinity High School. The first match I won in my high school wrestling career was at the end of the year, the district tournament at Trinity, I won, and I won third place. Now, my dad is not a sports dad. Most of the time at wrestling meets and baseball games or whatever, he's reading a book. I <laughs> never really thought that my dad was was into what I was doing, you know. Because every time I look up, he's reading a book. But then we'd go home and he'd say, you know, you should try X, Y, and Z. Like he would give me some profound Mr. Miyagi thing <laughs> that just would blow. Up. I'm like, I didn't even think you were paying attention. So I won my first match. My dad. Who was 40 when I was born Okay So when I was in high school He was just about ready to retire I won Referee raising my hand My dad jumps over the rail of the bleachers Onto the floor And runs and gives me a hug
0: Right (laughs) there on the
2: mat (laughs) Now Should parents be on the mat? No But that is one of those memories that I will take with me to my grave. It meant something. And it's okay that you don't get it. I'm sure people on the opposing team said, this is just a third, this is like a district, you know, third place match. Like, it's not that big a deal. Uh Uh-huh. But, but but as a, a father, particularly a father and son, there are those moments, and you know this, uh, with your dad and your boys, there's just those moments where you just have to be daddy. Like, it doesn't yeah. matter that LeBron is the best at what he does. And it, 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 at some point, he's just, because, and this is where I put my piece, when LeBron retires and moves on, And we don't get ESPN updates about him. You know, he pops up every now and then. He's still going to be their father. When someone comes and breaks all his records, he's still going to be a father to those kids. And they deserve to have memories with him that that, that supersede basketball. And I've kind of ranted and raved a little bit, but I don't see a problem with it. I just think at this point, people just want to get on LeBron for something. I didn't see that being a big deal. <laughs> on top of that, AAU Ball. Uh, I don't know if, you, if anybody out there follows Dragonfly Jones on Twitter. I think he's a funny follow. He tweeted basically the same thing I did, and then he had people telling their AAU stories. You know, this one guy, I remember he, he said. He he, uh, played AAU ball And the court wasn't regulation So you couldn't take a corner three Because it was out of bounds Or one guy said (laughs) He showed up at his AAU team And they pulled some random person out of the stands To help officiate Like AAU is not serious Let's not make it like he was at a high school (laughs) Sanctioned event And you know no AAU it's made for this There's a whole Twitter account like AAU hijinks or something like that. There's just ridiculous tales from AAU. And I mean, <laughs> it, 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 there are people way more over the top than LeBron. I saw a clip of a, uh, an official wearing a GoPro on his head. Why, like, what? Anything happens? It's like Mad Max out there. So come on. It, it, he's not ruining the sanctity of basketball. Because he's having a good time with his kids and his kids uh teeth. That that's just ridiculous.
1: Yeah, well, well said. Well said. So yeah. Uh, but you know, nowadays everybody gotta have something to get up in arms about one way or the other. So you know, that was that was what they chose at that particular time when they saw him on the corner in the lamp line. Um I've been out of the loop a little bit so i as keeping up with everything, but I'm, I'm pretty sure this one is something that you saw because here we are talking Lakers again. Something like, was Kobe, was it team all decade? Is that what it was, or is that where he was? Was it some shade? Or, yes, cause this was, Like I said, I've been out of the loop a little bit, but is that what happened? Yeah,
2: NBA.com. Is it did its 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 rankings for the last decade? So from twenty ten to twenty twenty, uh, the the first team. No, it's no brainer. LeBron, KD, uh, James Harden. Who am I missing? LeBron, KD,
1: James Harden. Uh,
2: Steph.
1: Steph
2: Steph Curry, and Kawhi Leonard. Okay, I, I can go with that. Hmm. Uh, the second wow. team and is Anthony Hart didn't Davis.
1: Hard didn't even go to Houston till twenty twelve, but okay.
2: Right, right, and and, and it's right. it's it's really weird because it was NBA dot com, but I don't know if it's NBA officially because the NFL does this All Decade Team and they've been doing it for years, pretty much since yeah. the first decade of the NFL. Uh, because that's an accolade. They talk about the Hall of Fame, you know,
0: because
2: uh-huh. uh, Jerry was all decade in the 80s and the 90s. So, uh,
0: <laughs>
2: but the NBA, outside of, you know, they did the top 50, the NBA 50, and I would assume they will, they'll do uh, 75th team this year. But they don't do this decade by decade. So it's not, so it's like NBA, but it's not. I can't argue with it. The 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 third team has got Kobe and D Wade. You know, going back to twenty ten, neither neither guy. I mean, you caught him on the tail end. But my thing is, who else you gonna put up there? Like like Uh okay, you know Kobe. You know they won the twenty ten title. Twenty eleven was a a decent season, Uh, and then his body kind of broke down on him. But uh, but who else? Yeah, you know, I, don't, I don't know. You know, who, you know, Paul George made one of the teams. Oh, oh, okay, uh, but it's pretty big drop off after that top five. It's basically LeBron and everybody that's beating LeBron. <laughs> 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 Look at that. And uh, but 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 who else are you going to put on there? Uh, it, it's real weird. Yeah, I think I talked about this two weeks ago. Last time we were on. People look at Carmelo funny because we didn't really get the – in, but Carmelo was really, really good for a long time, and I think people need to just take a step back and, and look at that. Uh, so I don't argue with it. Some people are saying you know, Kobe doesn't deserve it. Uh, I, I, okay. I mean I, I can see it kind of being one of those things. Yeah, he was still Kobe Bryant for the first few years of this decade. So yeah, the, and no one else did enough to unseat him. So I don't, I'm okay with that. Him and Dewey, D Wade can get on on that for you know kind of a career award thing.
1: And I'm trying to pull it up now, but it seemed like I saw a Marcus Aldridge somewhere. Was he second team or was he was he where he should to be? I'm trying to find it now. Okay. <laughs>
2: I always forget about Lamarcus Aldrich and he's one of those guys where you're like the numbers are pretty darn good when you look at the numbers. But
1: Yeah, he's thirteen. One of too. Those things, I was like Yeah, what?
2: it's one of those things like when you when I was making that stop talking about uh Eli Manning, I don't know anybody that has ever said, Man, did you see that Lamarcus Aldridge game last night? Like, I don't think that's ever been said by anybody ever. Even though his numbers are pretty darn good, that's one of those guys you're like, uh, okay. Uh, you know, the <laughs> second team, uh, the second team. You got Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, Blake Griffin, Carmelo Anthony, Blake Griffin again. One of those guys. You know, I was on NBA Twitter. They said all he. <laughs> All Blake Griffin has done was jump over that Kia.
1: Like, you just... (laughs) And again, his numbers are good.
2: You know, average almost 22 points and and nine rebounds a game. Uh, Yeah, okay, but I don't get a warm and fuzzy. Uh, But Carmelo absolutely belongs. Uh, You know I'm going to side with Anthony Davis. Uh, I mean, Russell Westbrook. you, You have to put him on. He's got... He's working on three straight seasons of a triple-double. You have to, rightly or wrongly, if you don't like him or love him, you got to put Westbrook on there. Yeah. And so the third team, you're just like, you know what? D-Wade, Kobe, Paul George, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, and Giannis. Like, Giannis has only been in the league like four seasons.
0: Like That's right. how,
2: when, when you look at it, you kind of have to say, okay, I, I think, Giannis getting it, like him winning the MVP kind of got him on there. You really, for for, for numbers-wise, you could have gone with Boogie. You could have put DeMarcus Cousins mm-hmm. on there, but I think with the with the MVP, okay, you put Giannis on there. I can't really argue uh, about that. Uh, considering, you know, Kobe was a seven-time All-Star over the decade, that's, you know, that's not bad. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. being on the downside to to, to his career, uh, but yeah, Lamarcus Aldridge is a is a head is a head scratcher. I didn't realize he was on five All NBA teams. Like, I, I, what? I'm telling you, like, I just don't think about it. And and he's a decent player, but yeah, I, mean, I thought he, has he was some, really good. He has,
1: some, he has some games against the Rockets in the playoffs. I'd like to forget, but. Like you said, overall, he he doesn't come to your mind. He just nothing about him that stands out. The game is just eh, not flashy. Uh, just, uh, and he played in Portland for so long, and you know, poor things up there, Portland, Seattle. Everybody forgets about the Pacific Northwest. <clears> the <throat> guys in San Antonio, excuse me, there, you know, that's another quiet franchise too. So it's just you know, he just doesn't. He's never jumped out. Right, you know, and him trying to you
2: know, if you're the power forward to follow up Tim Duncan, I mean, that's thankless anyway. <laughs>
3: like that's okay, you know, that,
2: that that's that's kinda that's kinda thankless. Uh there, so I'm 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 right there with you. I got no problem with Kobe and D. Wade making it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I was just I saw a little blurb. Uh, I had not been on Twitter as much these past few days and stuff But <clears throat> I was like yeah let me try to make a note To <clears throat> to remember that or see what all the fuss was about um, I don't know about all the fuss But it's getting a lot of <clears throat> Traction with College football coming And you know everybody's trying to be creative With their social media And everybody does this or does that Tries to be you know stand out Or you know make a name for themselves and make a name for their brand. Mississippi State, who you know, Kentucky plays every year from the SEC West. If you go to their Twitter account at Hale State Football, H A L H H A I L State F B, they were getting some buzz because look, you're you're a movie guy. I am not. So they released their schedule For next year, for 2020, they got it pinned on their Twitter feed five hours ago. And it's a clip from a movie or TV show to describe every single opponent that they're going to play in 2020. If you go to it, you can pull it up now. You know, it's uh, New Mexico State. It was like some tumbleweed rolling across, you know, the, the desert Kentucky is their 12th opponent that year, and I don't know what the clip is from. I mean, my lack of movie literacy or lack of TV show sitcom, whatever. I don't even know what that is. I don't know who she is, what they're describing for Kentucky. So I figure maybe the listeners might know. You probably for darn sure would know, especially if it's something from a movie. But it just goes one at a time. Like for Alabama, it's a, a Tide commercial, you know, yeah, that's it's real easy to see how they would use that. Yeah. But when it gets to Kentucky, who they played late in the year in 2020, I don't know what that is from. Uh, for, well, it, of for the,
2: for Missouri, I thought it was pretty good. That clip from the Simpsons, Grandpa Simpson talk about, uh, before I recognize Missouri, I'll be in the cold, cold ground. I thought that was pretty good. Uh, Charles Barkley <laughs> in his swing for Auburn. That's yeah. terrible. The uh, Kentucky one, I saw it. And it's 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 a Meg Ryan thing, but I'm not sure. I, I think it's uh, Sleepless in Seattle. The clip is just horses, 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 horses playing. I think it's from Sleepless oh, in Seattle.
1: Okay. The, the, it's, okay. It's Just
2: saying horses, horses, horses. Which uh, yeah. you know, I, I get it. I and you know, for for my money, they, that's probably the best you could do. I, I wouldn't. I was sitting here thinking, I don't know what else they would put in there for Kentucky, you know, maybe, you know, C. Biscuit or Secretary or something along those lines. Uh, but I can mm. certainly understand what they were doing. It's, it's cool. It, uh, a lot of uh, NFL teams did that with the schedule coming out, you know, in the spring for this upcoming season, just little clips, little fun things to, to, to do. So I certainly, I certainly get that with uh, uh, Mississippi State.
1: Yeah, yeah, I thought it was neat too. I just wasn't wasn't recognizing it, uh, and I and believe it or not, I have seen the was, was Meg Ryan did. You got mail? Was that her too? Yeah, and maybe that is. You got
2: mail? Okay. I it's been a while since I've seen both of them. It's that. just her driving, listening to Kentucky, Kentucky, Kentucky.
1: Um, yeah. One
2: quick thing. I
1: have seen you got mail. Uh,
2: uh, ESPN kind of getting ready for the season's upcoming, uh, had a nice article about uh, Kentucky men's basketball, kind of more or less what, what can Cal, John Calipari, do to kind of catch Rupp? Or in, in looking at the coaches that have come after Rupp, who they, ranked, they kind of rank the coaches that have come after Rupp in Kentucky's history. You know, some of the stuff, some of the points they made about Adolf Ruff, I agree with. Some of them I don't. You know, some of it is the same tired stuff we've heard. Uh, I just want to scream at the top of my lungs that Glory Road was a movie. Like, Glory Road was, was a movie. Like, I, I, one thing I think that it, it sounds great. And look, I'm a black guy. You're a black guy. I'm not discounting. The, the racial component. But after talking to my dad and other folks, you know, San Francisco with Bill Russell and Casey Jones won the NCAA title and they started for Black and played another one. So it, I think it's been kind of the, the myth that it was this watershed moment for everybody I think gets overblown, but whatever. Uh, but obviously they, they ranked, the coaches that came after up on who kind of kept things going—it uh, was Cal, number one. Uh, I think he's—he's he's gonna when he's done. John Calipari is gonna be the number two coach all time at, at UK, and that's a pretty good spot to be in, I think. Uh, Patino was second. Again, rebuild. Uh, oh, I wish I can't remember if it was Joe B. or Tubby that was next. But then to round out the bottom was Billy Gillespie, obviously, and then Eddie Sutton. So, uh, but I forget Tubby and 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 Joe B. I forget how they had how they had them ranked. Uh, I I could disagree with those rankings. I think you know Cal's already got more Final Fours than anybody else. He's one one. He's in a position to to get back and and win again. I don't think he catches Rupp, but I. I've, Obviously, I, I think that he can finish number
1: two, uh,
2: and that's there's nothing wrong with that at all.
1: Let's see, <clears throat> Tuppy is fourth. I'm pulling it up now. Joe B is third, and Patino is second, and Cal is first. Okay, yeah, of yeah. the yeah. And,
0: and
2: and my thing is we've we've always said. A coach can – you can win a title here. It's not easy, but it's doable. And you can see that with four different people winning uh, championships here. What Cal can do to set himself apart, obviously, is win that second. You win that second one. You get in that Roy Williams, like, hey, I've made my mark. Like, North Carolina basketball, they're going to talk – Dean Smith, they're going to talk about me next. Like, you can can do that. Uh, But I thought it was a pretty good article. Uh, Joe Lenardi, Myron Metcalf, some other ESPN folks kind of talking. Um, then they're, they're saying uh, there's a section in there, which one of the coaches has had the better impact or a greater impact. Uh, I think uh, what Patino did with the three-point shot, but but honestly, that was kind of what he did at Providence. I think Cal – and what he's been able to, to kind of flip everything around in Lexington, I think i put him higher than Patino uh, on the list. Uh, some of the article, if you get a chance to read it, it's rehashed of some other stuff. Uh, I can't remember which one of them it said, you know, Kentucky fans were mad at Patino for leaving to go to Boston. I don't remember that. Maybe I, I don't remember a lot of people being boo Patino for leaving. I mean, it was the Celtics and they backed the Brinks truck up. Like, you got to go. Like, I don't think anybody was saying, man, we could have uh, boo Patino for leaving. People got rankled when he went to of I think that upset a lot of people. Some people went overboard, but with, with Patino leaving for the Celtics, I don't think that, and maybe somebody can correct me, I don't see that being a big, a big thing if people want to make it out to be.
1: I don't remember being devastated. I mean, I probably, I mean... Yeah, I would have liked to see him stay, but I don't remember being like just crushed because uh, it.
0: Cause, it you know, and it I think the it helped. He he, he
1: you yeah. won in but, but it, it sucked losing Arizona, but but I still wasn't like ticked off at him for taking the selfish job. And
2: and I think it helped that Tubby won the next year. <clears throat> Yeah, I think I think that <laughs> yeah. you know had, had had Tubby and that '98 team kind of fallen short, and and I don't mean had they not won a championship, but had they like lost in the first or second round or something like that, had they not you know won the SEC and all this kind of stuff, uh, but usually what happens, coach leaves, usually about that mid-season, the next season, people are you kind of hear those grumblings a little bit. But the 98 team kept winning, and so by the time you would have heard some grumbling like, you know, Coach Patino, the team was on pretty a pretty good roll. And had Twitter been around, I think, against Duke at halftime of that Duke game in 98, I think a lot of people would have been, you know, where's Rick Patino now? But they didn't have a chance to that whole year. So... I, I never saw people being that upset that that Patino left. I think most people understood they made him coach and president and gave him $100 million. Yeah, you've got to go. I mean, you really have to go at that yeah. point.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think there was the the players only meeting or something like that. I was listening to one of Oscar Combs podcasts. And I think it was Brooks Downing, who was like the SID at the time. But it was a little bumpy. They lost to Ole Miss, and then they lost to Florida. Uh, I think the game where Cameron Mills had 31 was when they lost at home to Florida. But they, they had a player's only meeting. Brooks wasn't there, but he was just talking about how they all got on the same page when it came to buying in to Tubby. Like they hadn't all been pulling in that same direction, but from like that Valentine's Day loss, the rest of the way, you know, they bought in and never lost again. Yeah, and in in, in in my
2: mind, I mean, there was no opportunity for people to have that. Man, Patino, and, and Patino, and Patino was not having a great season, you know, in Boston, so. Yeah. I I just don't see people I never got that vibe and I've talked to Kentucky fans that hold grudges for the tiniest thing. Uh I got a friend that still routinely will bring up how many minutes Saul Smith played in the ninety eight uh championship game, which wasn't a lot. But uh, you know and I just would have thought that would have been one of those talking points that would have come up, like, oh, if uh you know, we played the Twins too much in 2015. Like, people routinely bring up crazy ideas, but Patino leaving for the Celtics, to me, has never been one.
1: And <clears throat> speaking of thought, he was I, – I mean, I, there was that whole thing, too. Uh, I don't remember getting just heated whenever he would come in, but, you know, he, he wasn't, like, just a top-flight point guard. You know, maybe he did play a little more than he stood, but it, uh, and according to Brooks in that podcast, he said, was it Rick was telling Tubby tell to take the job, but don't bring Gigi. And then, of course, Saul ends up kind of with playing kind of more than a lot of people thought, Um uh, I mean, maybe there's some times where I would kind of get a little exasperated with Saul. I don't know if I was to the point with him like you were with Teague all the way until he got it rolling. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't remember being totally just upset with Saul a bunch. I'm trying to think back on how that, how that was. But there was probably some times where I was like, oh, Saul. Uh, I have to think back on that for another show or something. Well,
2: and, and so he only played seven minutes in that championship game. So uh, yeah. I, I, was, like, I was telling, I was like, he didn't—he had all zeros. But I'm like, come on. <laughs> like, I understand well, griping yeah. about Saul Smith. I get that, but yeah, that game, like, yeah. Only because Wayne Turner couldn't
1: play a full forty minutes. So I mean, yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> Like like '99 and the the following years, that's what I'm trying to think. of. I was there, was probably time of like, oh, it's all. but I don't I don't have a problem with '98. I don't even remember. I mean I mean you just to, you know you watch the game, you're nervous, you know, try to get this comeback done against Utah. I don't even remember acknowledging when he was out there when he wasn't. And of course you're watching the game intently, but I don't remember thinking about Saul at all watching that game. Now, the following season of the season after that, you know, maybe there were some times where I'm like, oh, I, you know, why put him in now? Or he's struggling struggled, tell me. But 98 title game, no. Not at all.
2: Not at all. It, it, and Saul probably had his best game. His last game, there was at uh, the 0-1 tournament against Southern California where it was 43-24 at halftime. And we only lost by four, but Saul went off in the second half. He finished with seventeen points on five of seven from three. Uh played really, really well. So yeah, he was uneven. But back to my original point, uh I I never saw Patino leaving for the Celtics as a as a bad thing. And to me that was like that's what
1: you do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what we did was have a lot of fun. Glad to be back. Sorry for my nasal sinusiness. Uh Bear with that. Appreciate y'all bearing with that. Had a lot of fun. Cool to see all the pictures you put up on your Twitter account, our Facebook account, uh, the show Twitter account from the fan day, from the interaction, the video, the out route coming right at you. Uh, all the stuff you call Coach Stoops signing autographs and the players interacting with the fans from Fan Day. So glad it was a huge turnout. Even with some of the things that the fan base is upset about, you know, with you know, number of seats going down, ticket prices going up. Glad it was a huge turnout with you know, old and young alike, excited about the prospects of another fun football season coming off of a historic football season for last year and everybody's looking forward to, to see how they follow it up. Absolutely. Great show. Thanks for Lou. Uh,
2: thanks to Lou for calling in.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Appreciate you, Lou in New Jersey, uh, checking us out. And if you missed us now, of course, check the podcast wherever it's all available. Uh, and it replays on Saturday afternoon on twelve hour sports radio. So uh, everybody have a wonderful evening. Uh, hope the getting back to school routine is good for your girls. Uh, we're getting in that swing now. Getting back into bed early and the whole routine, the whole nine already down here. And then hope it goes smooth for y'all too. And we look forward to seeing everybody next week as well. And we'll get some guests back on here uh, along the way, like we always do. Absolutely Appreciate the TV See you next week Of course I'll see you Each and every day On the social medias Back and forth When we go back at it But have a good evening This has been Cats Talk Wednesday Vinny Hardy Terry T.B. Brown See y'all next week On Cat Talk Wednesday Good night everybody